In the name of the Father, and to the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. As we approach this solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of our Blessed Mother, through the novena celebrated here in this oratory community, we've been meditating on each of the seven sorrows of our Blessed Mother, a rich and beautiful tradition of the Church that invites us to see the mysteries of our Lord as they unfolded before the eyes of his most blessed mother. It was she who remained at his side through his early years in Nazareth, his public ministry, and ultimately his, pl- his blessed passion, death, and resurrection in Jerusalem. It was her steadfast love that kept her focused on her mission and vocation to be truly his mother, the one through the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit brought forth the Savior of the world. In meditating on the seven joys of our Blessed Mother, one cannot help but see how the seven joys are surrounded by the sorrows she endured. The first three joys of our Blessed Mother, the moment the Word became flesh in her womb at the Annunciation, the encounter with Elizabeth and John the Baptist at the Visitation, the Nativity of our Lord in Bethlehem, and the adoration of the Magi are all surrounded by the sufferings of Our Lady as she entered into her vocation as Mother of God. One can imagine the hostile stare she would have endured as it became evident that she was with child before she entered the home of Joseph. The necessity to flee to Egypt to escape those who wished to kill her newborn son, and the prophecy of Simeon and Anna that her heart would be pierced due to the future rejection of her son. Mary, having consecrated herself to God's holy will and indeed being the handmaid of the Lord, suffered because she chose again and again to do the will of the Father. She had chosen to be the gentle, loving mother of the Savior by God's invitation, and by doing so experienced the joys and sorrows of being a mother. Her joy, though, was the gift that God would give her by the abundance of his grace for her constant obedience to his will. During those private, quiet years of raising Jesus in her and Joseph's home in Nazareth, she continued to experience the joys and sorrows of being the mother of God, especially in the realization of her sons being missing after visiting the temple and then finding him amidst the great Jewish leaders, teaching them the mysteries of God. One can imagine the ways in which Jesus continued over and over again to bring awe to the hearts and minds of Mary and Joseph as they beheld the mystery unfolding before them. The reality that their son was God become flesh, the complexities that must have occurred during those 30 years in which Jesus lived in that holy family. 
Mary herself, knowing the plan that God had begun in becoming incarnate to one day bring redemption through his passion, death, and resurrection, continuing day after day to give of herself as wife and mother. Eventually, after seeing her son spend three years in ministry and seeking to proclaim the coming of the kingdom, she would be a witness to his rejection and humiliating death. Each moment that she followed him on his journey towards overturning that happy fault that had burdened all of humanity since Adam and Eve, she was there, opening her heart to continually be pierced out of pure love that could have wished that it all should end. She did not seek to bring a stop to the proceedings because she truly trusted in God's providence and mercy that they would be shown in what was happening before her tearful eyes. As she witnessed her son being laid in the tomb and it being sealed, she indeed had her heart pierced because her son had died what was seemingly the fate of every human being. Yet, one can imagine her on that holy Saturday, waiting those three days in hope that God would indeed triumph, even death itself. It was this hope that was realized on that glorious morning of the first day of the week, when our Lord indeed rose from the dead and appeared before his apostles and his blessed mother in his resurrected body her joy would ultimately be brought to to its fullness when our Lord assumed her, his mother, body and soul into heaven and crowned her as queen of heaven and earth. Seeing her joys and sorrows together is important because they then become a reminder to us that both can be present in a life lived well in obedience to the Father. From the perspective of many in the history of mankind, the presence of any sorrow or suffering negates the good of the joy when it is present. If one was to live a good life and experience the goodness of God, God would protect that person from any type of pain or suffering but it's the example of our Blessed Mother that shows that this perspective is indeed false. Through her vocation as mother, she intimately experiences the sorrows and joys of her son, and they become her own. Being full of grace, she knew that joy was not a mere emotion or feeling but was indeed the result of doing God's will. St. Thomas Aquinas states that joy is caused by the presence of the Holy Spirit in us and the first effect of having the virtue of charity. Charity being the virtue which God instills in us by means of prayer and the sacraments produces in us a willingness to break our sinful pride 
and obedient to and be obedient to God's will in our lives. True Christian joy is found in obedience to the Father's will. It is safe from the waves and uneasiness of human life because as long as we remain fixed on doing the will of God, we will have the joy of knowing that we are indeed beloved sons and daughters redeemed by his grace. It's when we give into the storms of life and fail in trusting in his benevolent providence that we fall into sin and lose the joy that our Father wishes to give us. Our Blessed Mother, despite the bitter sorrows she endured and the difficulties she faced, was a mother filled with joy because she had abandoned her life to her Heavenly Father. She remained constant in her decision to be the handmaid she had promised to be. For that, she received her crown as queen and eternally is next to her beloved son, interceding for us. Indeed, for our Blessed Mother, life's ultimate end was not the passing moments of happiness, but true joy in the Lord. It's a key distinction that we often forget. Happiness, which we're often told that we must pursue at all costs, is seated in the mind and feelings, which can seemingly always be in flux. Joy, true and fulfilling joy, is seated in the heart, the soul, the very depths of one's being. It's located in that quiet depth that God dwells within us and wants us to find him there. If we, too, want to experience the true joy that the Lord gives through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we must ask him for the grace to be always returning in our hearts over and over again to the ways in which his power has already shown through our weakness. How he's worked to bring about our growth in relationship to him in our pursuit of virtue. We must always turn to our Blessed Mother so that she might guide us to understand the will of God for our lives and to find joy in generously responding to his call. And so as we honor our Blessed Mother in the miracle of her Immaculate Conception, we ask for her motherly care and that her Son may fill us with the true joy only he can give. It's by his grace that he will fill in us what is lacking and strengthen us on this earthly pilgrimage so that we might find the great hope of one day being with him and our Blessed Mother for all eternity. Amen.